Hello and welcome to this is Ibrox the Rangers podcast. I'm Martin Douglas, and joining me as ever we have Thomas McIntyre. Thomas, how are you? I am very, very well. Thank you. Back to my best after a quiet week last week, so it's uh, it's nice to be back. I know I've done all the talking. Um, yeah, why the numbers dropped off. <laughs> and I'm also delighted to say that we've been joined by Stephen Harrigan from the Heart and Hand podcast. Stephen, how are you? I'm good. Absolute pleasure to join you, boys. Oh, it's good to have a celebrity on. <laughs> and, and, he did it pro- yeah. sure. and he did it pro bono as well <laughs> he told me 10 grand well we'll work that out in the background Stephen that's absolutely fine <laughs> I accept DBT so don't worry <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, I thought we would kind of start this week with a wee recap of the Hamilton game for whatever recap we can actually do but I suppose and Stephen I'll start with you I suppose it was just really all about the players getting back out in the park and getting a wee bit of football under their feet. Absolutely, it's been a, it's been a long time, isn't it? Um, rustiness will no doubt have kicked in. Um, contact training's only just started, or full contact training's only just started. So there's a lot to get into. Um, I don't think we can read too much into the performance, the way the team was chopped and changed, or even the result or anything like that. It's mainly just about getting back on the pitch, getting that feeling, um, getting that kind of telepathic understanding with the players round about. Uh, on the bonus side, it was nice to see Morelis score a penalty. Um, it's always positive when your striker score goals. You want them to go into the season with confidence. Um, but the main thing is just really getting back out there. It's one of the friendlies behind closed doors. Um, if it turned out bad, I'm sure uh, plenty of Rangers fans and plenty of <laughs> on the press would have lumped upon it. But it really doesn't make any difference. Um, it's just about getting going again, getting the, the rustiness over, getting a wee bit of stiffness out. Um, and just preparing for, for these games we've got coming. Obviously, we're heading into a new season, and we, we've still got a Europa League title to play as well. If anybody heard that, that was my phone gone there. It was probably one of my friends who supports the other team saying it wasn't a penalty. Um, <laughs> and Tommy, that was the one thing that i seen coming for the game. I'd, obviously, I didn't really keep up with the updates then, but the first thing i seen online was, oh, well, Rangers got a penalty. <laughs> Yeah, which is always a great start to the a great start to the season, uh, even if it's a pre-season friendlies. I think Stephen's absolutely right. It's hard to get exercised about a you know a pre-season behind closed doors friendly. I think it's a turning over of the or the initial turning over of the engine in a cold day type of thing, getting minutes in the players' legs, getting back to that understanding the positioning, how to do the press, all that type of good stuff. So that's pretty much the big the big thing from it. Guys like Bassey getting. You know, a chance to actually play some relatively competitive football with his teammates. Um, Hadji being back in there as an actual permanent signing, it's all very, very nice and comfortable. But as I said before, it's hard to get overly exercised about it. It's just a turning over of the engine prior to going for a wee drive, uh, which will be the friendlies, and then working up to that uh, Bayern Leverkusen uh, game before we start back in really earnest. So, yeah, great. The, probably the biggest single thing is nobody limped off mm-hmm. and you're always looking at these strings i don't you guys but that's always my go-to who's who's went away with a, a niggle or something i decided to go off after three minutes and it turns out that it's a, a whatever uh we don't want another nikola katic uh type of scenario so i right, that's it we want it nobody nobody get injured <sighs> yeah penalty to rangers type of <laughs> scenario and, and we all move on it never, by the way, I've seen it. It was never a penalty. Um, Stephen, I think Rangers Rangers paid for the referee. Obviously, yeah, <laughs> obviously, a, yeah. So I'm sure there's a, a, a Twitter 
conspiracy theory happening right right now as we speak. But as we've all been told, the SPFL aren't corrupt. So, Stephen, um, did Rangers miss a trick? I don't know if there was maybe a law or a rule to say that we couldn't show the game, but did Rangers maybe miss a trick, no sticking on our TV? Possibly, but see, we've been the first friendly after a long period of time. I think there would have been a wee bit of reluctance to. Um, obviously, they've sold the rights to the, the upcoming matches for the friendlies with Leon and Nice, with Premier Sports, so we've got a deal in place there. Um, this is probably a game that the manager and coaching staff just want to have a look at where the players are at. They would have been doing their individual fitness. They would have been doing a lot of meetings like, like we're doing now via Zoom. A lot of one-to-ones, kind of personal coaching, probably the kind of thing that they maybe don't get the chance to do in such a detailed level. But then you're putting it all back together and seeing if they can pick up really where they were in December. Um, you've got Hadji coming in there. A lot of players have been away as well. Uh, Morales has been in Colombia. Hadji has been back. So you're bringing all the factors back in. And I think it's just a wee bit of caution. Um, and it's just saying, OK, we know the result isn't important, but it's just maybe a case of this gives us a real understanding, gives the coaching staff a real understanding of where we are currently and where we need to get to in the coming weeks. So I think that's more the reason because you know what it's like here. Uh, everything's scrutinised. That penalty would have been replayed on the news time after time because there is a vacuum at the moment. There's not a lot of um, football chatter obviously going on, and they need to fill the pages somehow. And we would have given them something, to, you know, to basically fill the pages uh, with that. So I think it's, I think it's a sensible move, uh, and I think it's one that the manager, I, I think, likes to do. It coming from his background, he's very media savvy. We know he knows how to handle the media very well. You see that in the press conferences. And I think it's just a case of him saying, OK, we're going to keep your arms length a wee bit. We know the fans are desperate to see the team, but let me have the first look. Um, and it's not unusual for the team to play it. I gave it, you know, the training centre behind closed doors to start off the pre-season. So um, it's not that out of the ordinary. I just think it's because we're so desperate to see the team after such a prolonged period of time that maybe, you know, as fans, you're, you're rightly disappointed. But overall, I think it's probably the correct decision. Hey. Tommy, Stephen makes a good point there as well. From a football point of view, it was obviously the right thing to do, try to get everything into place. But if you look at it from a business point of view, uh, and like Stephen says, we've not seen football for so long. If Rangers had stuck that firmly on RTV for a fiver, they would have probably made a killing. Yeah, they, they would have made made profit, and that's that's fine. But sometimes you have to put performance and people before profit. Um, I suppose as well, they would probably have been dealing with a notice of complaint from the uh, <laughs> compliance officer for Morelos' die for the penalty or whatever at this point in time. Uh, you know, six month ban before he's even kicked the ball. But uh, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to disagree. I'd probably go slightly even further than, than Stephen and say it, it was a no brainer to to say no. There, there's no benefit to putting it on. Yeah, we're all desperate to watch Rangers in a even a middling competitive game or a, you know closed doors friendly, but. Players coming back rusty, there'll be numerous mistakes in that game. People probably blown out their backside a little bit, and I think that's technical jargon from Michael Beale's book. Um, and then wanting to change the things, you never know. There might have been a slightly different shape to Rangers as well that Gerard wants to, and the coaching staff want to keep completely uh, off the off the radar. Um, Hamill might not have wanted it to, to have been uh, on TV either. Rangers would have probably been down to getting slated for the quality of RTV's coverage um, by fans as well because we do dissect absolutely everything. And I do hear the irony in my voice there whilst I'm on a podcast talking about <laughs> talking about a closed door game. But yeah, I, I see no benefit. And I get your pin shelling and pens points, Martin. But if you kind of spill that out and you say, well, cost-benefit analysis, the amount of hassle it would have been, the amount of scrutiny it would have uh, engendered, the amount of fallout from it potentially, is it worth it for 
some money when you've got the uh, Viola Trophy coming up, the, the, you know those two glamour friendlies. You've got the Leverkusen game away. Do you need it? And do you need the scrutiny on the players, including the younger players that you're just trying to really bed into the squad again? Uh, it makes it would have made no sense to me other than a land grab for cash or a cash grab, I should say. And thankfully, Rangers are above that. So yeah, great decision all day long. Let's let's live for another couple of more days. Well, a day uh, without without the football. Well, as we are all involved in podcasts, it would have been really nice if we had been given access to the game. I think you could all agree with that anyway. But, um, it was me and Phil to Manilos, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, came out but uh, Stephen, every week I always announce a segue and Tommy hates it when I announce a segue because you're not supposed to announce it, you're just supposed to move on. But Tommy was every mentioning youngsters there. Single so week, every single week. <laughs> so, Tommy was mentioning youngsters and that's a perfect segue into talking about young Kai Kennedy. Now obviously this is just reports, I've not heard anything concrete from Rangers but the reports suggest that he's actually set to leave due to Rangers not willing to put up with the wage demands that he's set. Do you know anything and have you heard anything more about it or is it just simply paper talk? I've only heard what's been in the paper um, and you know sometimes with the reports, um, sometimes they're released to benefit one side and it might be to benefit the player who's looking for improved terms but I hope it's not because money isn't everything. I think when you're such a, a highly rated young player, and he is, and clearly the management and coaching staff had plans for him, he's included in the squads, um, I think probably the coming games will give us a, a better idea of where the future lies. If he features heavily in the next two games, I would suggest it is just paper talk, and maybe the manager will come out and address it afterwards. But if it is the case that he's looking for you know, a better contract or a contract above what we are willing to offer, then I would have to shake his hand and tell me to move on, because... You know, as a young player, prospects are suspects until proven otherwise. Um, he's got lots of potential, but we've seen and heard this many, many times. Players with bags of potential coming through are going to be the next big thing and don't really kick on. Now, some of the teams that have been mentioned, you know, the likes of Bayern Munich and all that, you feel that's a wee bit of paper talk. And you've got to remember, they kind of top academies. You think uh, uh, Chelsea being the one in uh, the biggest in uh, the UK. They, do, they just basically stockpile talent. They take tons of talent from around the world plump them in an academy and then the best of the best creeps through. Um, they can afford to pay the wages that he's probably hoping for. But, you know, if you get that contract, is he going to remain as hungry? And clearly the top players and the players that go at the very top do. But I'm always worried at giving young players too much too soon. I think it damages their hunger for the game. And for somebody who's not won anything, Rangers will have a, a cap. There'll be a limit for players of that ilk. There'll be a, a, you know, a wage that we don't go above. And I, I think we have to sometimes dig our heels in and say, OK, we know you want more and we know you can probably get more elsewhere, but we, what we can offer you is first-team exposure. We can offer you a set amount of games. And with the amount of games that we're going to have coming up, he would get his chance this season. Um, I'm sure the coaching staff and the manager would sit down and say to him, we'd like you to play here. We've seen you play X amount of games, a specific role. Um, this is what we can offer you. We can offer you exposure now. And that's going to you know, basically enhance and increase your, your learning curve. And that's what it is. You have to get games under your belts until he plays a large number of games. And even playing 20 games in the first team, people are going chatting for a new contract these days. But you have to play a lot more games than that to be established a first teamer and, and not fall off that cliff. We see so many players that between that age gap just seem to fall away for, for no apparent reason or, or for, for reasons that nobody can really pinpoint or put their fingers on. And I think a lot of it is to do with just getting too much too young. Um, obviously, all these players of agencies these days, you just wonder how much they've got a need in them because they benefit if the player moves. Um, but I would say if you, if you are looking for more money, 
good on him, um, short career and all that, but not for me. I think you have to adhere the way structure. If you break it for one player, then you get the next guy chapping your door. And how are you going to turn it? Then you, you get an unhappy squad. You, you know, you're creating disharmony. It's there for a reason. Um, if you prove himself a first team, by all means, chap in the door, uh, you know, 30 games time. But, but don't be doing it now. You, you've not done anything. You've not achieved anything in the game. And, and, and to be twisted and turned, okay, everybody gets a wee bit of their head turned um, with probably the kind of money that's going to be mentioned. But it's not everything. If you've got the belief that you're going to go to the top level, then we're one of the best clubs in the world you can start in. Because at this moment in time, we're always going to give you a chance. And that should be the, the unique selling point. It's not money. Um, it should be that we're, we can hone you. And you can look at the coaching staff as evidence that they improve players on a consistent basis. And if you think elsewhere is going to do that or can do that better and fill your pockets, then I won't miss you at all. That's a, that's a fair point. And Tommy, it's quite unusual that for a youngster um, looking to try and get a, a new contract to maybe be back up or rotation or try and build their way into the team, that they would ask for that much money. Well, I think we put the that much money t- to one one side. Um, although I, I get your I get your point, and I probably grasp your your deeper meaning with that as well. But you know, let's go door to door on this, so to speak. Um, and, and Stephen hits a lot of the main the main points there as well. You know, Kai's eighteen. He had a fantastic Alcas Cup. Um, I think he came on as a substitute uh, against Stranraer in the Scottish Cup. My understanding is we've been in talks with him since the back end of. You know, last year about an extension, he's been training with the first team, so he's been showing what, what the conceptual pathway to, to, to be a, a first team regular looks like. But he's not done anything out with of his age group. He showed potential. Stephen hit that mark earlier on. So, yeah, until you've fully shown what you can do and been given the chance as well, so that's the, the kind of counter argument to that, then, okay, we need to look at you really closely and see how we can develop you and you can develop and if you're worth it. Is any young player out with of being an absolute, you know, bona fide world class player? And no offense to Kai Kennedy, you know, he's not he's not there. Uh, worth shaking the foundations of your wage structure at the academy level? Well, absolutely not. You, you just can't do that. They, you know, your academy wage structure is there not only to keep all those people happy, as, as Stephen I think alluded to as well, but because there's a business model in place and we've, you know. Got a, got a budget for these type of things and that's how we cost that and so chasing one particular player when you will get a training fee if, if he does go to another club anyway and that may be down south it may be you know uh, abroad or whatever I'm not entirely sure about some of the clubs that have been mentioned either but whatever then he has to do some of the points that we've spoken about previously on the pod with, with other players that prove yourself Rangers have shown uh, Alfredo Morelos, I'm looking at you, that we will, or the manager will swiftly have a word with the management, uh, sorry, the club's management to get you an, a bump up in your pay, uh, an extended contract, show that we, we have confidence in you because you've shown it on the pitch. So that can happen. That, that's fine. So that's up to Kai Kennedy, Kai Kennedy to put performances in. And then you start to see, okay, what else have you got on your plate? You Are you a Billy Gilmore? Well, that's, the, that's a, a pretty lazy analogy, so I'm not going to bother going down that particular route, right? But I know people will ask themselves that particular question. Well, they're not like for like, so let's not compare apples and oranges. Do you have the ability to get yourself into the Chelsea first team within circa 12 months? I'm not entirely, from what I've seen, I wouldn't say, not in the position that particularly plays them. So then you're saying, okay, where are you going to go and are you going to sit in somebody's academy earning a little bit more money and then be farmed out to a League One club or a Bundesliga 2 club or whatever that looks like, or come back on shore, right? Whatever. Or do you want to be part of 
a really important season at Rangers in terms of this is Gerard's real team. There's been investment into it. There's a lot of good noise around about the club. There's 50,000 fans there every other week. There's a whole brand drive. There's a chance to do something. And you're in there amongst that. Or do you just want to go and sit in somebody else's academy because you have a couple of extra shekels in your pocket? And I, I fully appreciate when I say a couple of extra shekels, it's a lot of money for most people, right? I get that. But if he fully believes in his ability and his agent believes in his ability, then you would ask yourself, why do you move away from what is absolutely seen within footballing circles as an academy that's really top class, going places, have just installed an absolute chaste uh, director of football in terms of Ross Wilson as well and enhancing every aspect of that why do you go somewhere else I just don't see the natural part of it which leads me directly to think then that it's a bit of a gambit by the agent more than the player the problem with that is at some point and it looks as though Rangers have maybe reached that you turn around and you go do you know what enough we have to show the rest of the players in the academy and the wider kind of playing squad and other players that we will not be bullied by a young player or their agent in terms of what they could achieve. We have to really focus on who wants to be at the club. And if Kai Kennedy and his agent make the decision that they want to go elsewhere, we wish them the very best of luck. We never mention them again and we move on. And like Tommy mentioned there, Stephen, um, there's been a lot, I've seen a lot on social media, a wee bit in the papers and that, that have compared Kai Kennedy to Billy Gilmore. And like you mentioned as well, there's been supported clubs linked with them, Bayern Munich, Man City, I think, uh, who else was it? I can't, I can't remember who else it was. Roma, that was it, Roma. So there's been a lot of big clubs apparently, right? So as, I think there's a lot of fans just worried that, oh no, we're going to lose out on another Billy Gilmore, considering that Billy Gilmore has only really played twice for Chelsea. Yeah, I think fans do have that concern that any kind of really sought-after prospect um, will leave. I, I don't think it's a problem that's unique to us. I think if you look across the city, they've faced similar problems. And, and to be quite honest, if you have a player of Billy Gilmore's talent, and Billy Gilmore probably will be Chelsea's start midfielder in a year or two, that's where his progression is looking like heading at the moment. He, he's you know, applied himself very well in the games he has started for Chelsea. But um, he was there at a different time as well. The academy, really, there wasn't a lot of investment in it. We know um, the situation where we, we came from at that point. And he's probably looking about going, is this the best place for my development? I think if you're a young player now and you're asking yourself that question, the answer's got to be yes. You, you know, the point Tommy made about going down in an academy, that's what will happen. You, you got lost in the numbers. Uh, and just for that extra money and you will be forced to go out alone for a large number of years because you look at Kai Kennedy's physique for example he's nowhere near um, where he should be or not where he should be where he needs to get to to be a regular starter and to play that amount of games and even as a young player you can't go out and play 30 games straight away in the first team because you would just burn out you would you know he'd last three or four seasons then it would probably break down with a lot of injuries so it's all about managing it uh, and I think this coaching staff and I use that as a whole and the manager know how to manage these players they've been patient uh, you've seen that with, with Parson last year there was a lot of clamour after the Stranraer game for him to start the following game and the manager pulled him out he protects the young players so he was one himself um, if you can't learn and listen to Stephen Gerrard when he sits down and talks to you, and if you can't pick up you know, stuff from him as a footballer and as a manager, then you're probably not in the right place to begin with. Um, moving down to Chelsea, moving to Bayern Munich, and moving to Roma, all sounds great, um, but you've got a lot of factors in that. I just, yeah, if, as fans, we're always going to feel that our best talent's going to be cherry picked and taken away from us. 
But if we've got clubs looking at our players, that means we we've got a really good academy. And the mark of a good academy is not just the players that play for our first team; it's the players that go and play for all our clubs' first teams as well. That's something that we did do at a decent level in the past, and obviously we got away from for for reasons um, obviously known as all with the financial difficulties. And we have to get back. There's been a lot of investment spent in there, and if it won't be for them, somebody coming behind them. Um, yeah, it might take another year or two, but we've definitely got the right people in place now. Um, and we're always going to face this problem. It's always a fear. But if you've got a really world-class player, then you can only expect to get a couple of years of him, and we have to sell him on anyway. Um, but you yeah. know, I just think if you're a young player, you have to you have to think we're a very good place for for learning your trade. Yeah, I think it's probably just um, just just to bookend that. It's a it's a good example and a good reminder to probably all fans as well that. This is the flip side of the coin when we celebrate picking up good young prospects like uh, Bassi on a cross-border by being able to utilise the youth system and selling them on a vision of the club. Other clubs are out there doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And so this is a, a market whereby we will lose players. Look, you know, Let's all be very conscious of that. We will not keep every single player that we want at every single age group. That's never going to happen. People will come in and make a better case and agents will engineer moves, players will engineer moves. That happens day and daily. And so we just need to be aware of it. The only difference, I think, between the, not that, you know, after saying that I wouldn't make that casual acquaintance between Gilmore and, and Kennedy, I'll, I'll do my best to make myself a hypocrite. Um, <laughs> which is the, the slight difference between those two, which I think maybe probably fans are pouring over slightly in their mind as well, is this would be Kennedy essentially electing to walk out the door and we would get that training fee compensation part. Whereas as dire as we were in the situation that we were at that point in time with Gilmore, it was essentially a bit of a sale. And we managed to build in different um, uh, clauses in terms of appearance fees and stuff like that. So some extra residual uh, income to the club. And I think that's maybe just a slight difference here that what we're going to get for Kennedy. And as with all young players, I'm not particularly concerned with the fee that we get up front because by and large it'll be fairly small given you know where we are um unless they are let's say those bona fide world-class talents that break straight through into the first team i'm more interested in the amount of residual sell-on or appearances or percentage of sell-on clauses that we get because that's where the money on youth players is made no that's true that's true and if you hadn't jumped in there tommy Stephen gave me the perfect segue but no, I don't have that segue. I, I heard them do it and I decided to jump in just to, <laughs> for that reason. I was going to keep that point to myself. I'm just going to need to go on to the next topic. This just looks stupid now. Um, <laughs> it's, been, it's been announced, Tommy, that um, there's going to be an extension, as we had a wee argument before the pod, <laughs> to the rule where we can now have five subs. Now, uh, I'll ask you first, do you agree with the fact that we're allowed to use five subs? And I believe you're only still allowed to... Yeah, have sub three times, but you can have five players. Uh, yes, so I have to admit that I'm not a particular fan of it. Is the, the kind of outside of it? You know, the temporary the temporary rule that you speak of to allow five substitutions. I think it's brought in due to the I think the rationale behind it was the fixture congestion caused by the coronavirus pandemic. So it's now been extended as an option throughout next season for I believe. Uh, feel free to challenge me here, guys, on this, but for both domestic and international uh, competitions. So, yeah, and I, I get the, or well, maybe I don't fully get the science behind it, in all honesty, but uh, 
players coming back after a long layoff, the potential for snap injuries, the potential for fatigue and fatigue-related injuries, the lack of recovery time, the need to protect players. Uh, I do get all of that. Do I naturally think that players can't come back and play 90 minutes and there was a need to change the three substitute rule by and large? I'm not entirely convinced about that. Uh, it's a bit like the um, the water break rule that they've mm-hmm. brought in, those those water breaks, which I think are fairly spurious as well, uh, in all honesty. And I didn't particularly think I'd ever find myself agreeing with Gary Neville uh, on, on much, uh, out with of bread and oil, obviously. But um, so, so, yeah, I think it's a bit like the question at the very start of the podcast about RTV and the game against Hamilton. It's hard to get overly exercised about it. Uh, one thing I was thinking about, though, uh, when I was thinking about this earlier on today, um, was it's a pretty big number. You know, you're changing quite a lot mm-hmm. in terms of who, who's on the pitch there. So it's almost like uh, you could take out, you're ripping out a lot of a lot of a team there to, to sub it. Um, so I think that it's going to have quite a big impact on games, actually. Um, but do I agree with it? No, I don't, actually. I think we should stick to three... And I caveat that because I like a good caveat with as soon as the medical professionals sign it off and make sure that nobody's going to be, um, you know, put into a position whereby their, their, their health is being harmed or anything like that. The final point I'll say to that is if they've extended it, it may just be, very well become a permanent fixture. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may just see, actually, this sounds good. More players get uh, interaction and all that kind of stuff. But interesting if they still do appearance fees because clubs' appearance fee wage structure will go, go up slightly. Mm-hmm. You could get more, more players being on the pitch. Um, it's a fairly small, nuanced kind of graph there, but you, you get my point. Um, and I'm going wildly off topic here, so I will rein myself back in. I can see you starting to gloss over, Martin, when I start talking. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, this seems like the type of thing that we, when we cycle out of a post-COVID world, might be one of those, ah, that kind of worked, we kind of liked that. Um but does it mean squads get bigger? Does it mean what does it mean for the actual impact on the game itself? That ninety minutes, how does it impact the analysis and the stats that management teams will be looking at? Because players, you know, will be cycling in and out at different points of games, and you're seeing more players being introduced to a game. And what does that mean? Tactics might have to just be tweaked slightly and faster because you're introducing more players and your competitors introducing more players. Um, there's quite a lot of nuance. It's kind of sub things that come off the side of what seems like a relatively easy wizzy change. But it may be one of those things that lands permanently. Uh, I hope not. I'm all for the three subs. There we go. Short uh, answer. Well, I'll tell you who would absolutely love it. Sven Gorn Eriksson. He'd be all over that, wouldn't he? Um, but, <laughs> but Stephen, is this just the... Do we just need to now accept this as football moving on, modernising? You know, we can have five subs during a game. Is it going to get to a point where we can have a timeout? You know, like like the NFL, we're just going to have to accept that these are the things that are going to happen going forward. Yeah, that's my where my thoughts were going on this. You know, with the amount of subs you got, the water breaks, that already, you know, the tempo's not going to be great when football starts back because of the lack of crowds. There's not going to be the same flow to it, the same 
um, aggression in a lot of plays. So you're going to struggle with that already. You throw in five substitutes, and I know we said you know you can only make three at a time kind of thing. Um, I think it's a bad thing, and I think it's a bad thing despite the fact that it will be very much heavily in Rangers' favour mm-hmm. because you just think if we are struggling with seven minutes to, seven minutes gone, we're a goal behind or, or we're drawn, you can then make five changes. And on the bench at Rangers, we've, we've got more quality than most of the other sides. So it's really beneficial, uh, beneficial to the bigger sides. I don't think you're going to see a lot upsets or, or upsets will be, become less and less because of this rule. I'm surprised the smaller team voted it in, but I do think it's been done as we call me an old cynic, but I think it's been done in order to keep more players um, involved in kind of match day squads because we know the kind of impact that the pandemic is going to have it throughout our football. So you're going to have smaller condensed squads with, with most teams. Uh, most teams will probably be going with much the same. You look at, you know, when this hit, Kamarnock had like seven players. So mm-hmm. they're pr- practically going to have every player. And it also gives you a, a chance to... to play youth players so if you're one of the other you know smaller clubs you can now put two or three youth players on your bench that's a great selling point to a youth player you say well you know you're going to become immediately involved in our first team and you can throw them on at the end and say you do I don't like it I do think it's two stop start I think it's very disruptive to the flow of games I think we are getting to that stage where we're going to be making tactical changes quite a lot I've seen it quite a lot in games especially in Europe um, and I think the bigger clubs I mean you think if we're in a Europa League tie and you're, you're playing Leverkusen you these five subs you think the players they've got on their bench mm-hmm. that they can bring on if we're 1-0 up it, it can really change the course of a game and you can put you know you could technically replace your whole front line players and then you're going up against defenders that are obviously being, being tiring for the 70 odd minutes so I don't like it the three subs I, I remember when it was one sub and, and now it's up to three and everybody kicked up then um, five just seems a wee bit much to me it is a wee bit NFL offence and defence and as much as I'm a fan of the NFL I don't think it works in football because I think we just we take the flow completely out of the game you think how frustrated you get when a team makes a sub when you're having a good uh, spell in the game now making five you know players take about five ten minutes to get feel themselves into the game I'm just worried what we'll do the overall quality of the games as well I'm going to pretend that I'm uh, a lot younger than Stephen and say, I can't remember when you were on <laughs> two points or and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff, right? But um, I suppose just, just a wee book into that as well. Um, I think they did miss a small trick in that they didn't mandate, and if they have, perhaps I've missed it, feel free to challenge me, guys, but they didn't mandate that with the expansion of this five subs, X amount of number within that. So let's say one of the, the two that's been added, so to speak, has to be a youth player. Yeah. Because that would have been a way to to encapsulate some of the concept that Stevens actually just mentioned there. Uh, and I think it was in all of, all of our minds, is that, okay, how do we make this, um, you know, how do we wedge this in, but also get a benefit to the, to the grassroots? Okay, we're going to give you two extra spaces. One of them has to be filled by a, a, a domestic youth player mm-hmm. or, you know, a youth player, whatever. And that's how you give a wee bit of additional benefit. It seems just to be predicated on uh, first team squads are a bit tired. Um, I'm being fairly um, belligerent there with that one, right? And, and blib, but let's just do that. And I don't really necessarily see why they couldn't have just said, okay, we'll make it a one youth player as well then. And that's a way to give everybody a bit more benefit. Yeah, missed trick, I think. Well, yeah, listen, I'm in agreement with both of you as well. I, I, I think it's a bad move and a bad idea. And like Stephen says there, Tommy, um, it's going to obviously be advantageous for the, the better team, the bigger team, the team with the, the better players. But if you if we take it from a selfish point of view for Rangers this coming season, is it not going to maybe help P 
people like Kai Kennedy and, and, and Nathan Patterson by saying to them, listen, we're going to be able to use five subs. If we go 3-4-0 up or even 2-3-0 up, we'll stick the two years on in the second half. Yes, just from a totally selfish point of view. No, there is that, and I get Stephen's point as well. I've probably got a slightly different view or a different angle to, to Stephen on that one that I'll, I'll come back to in a moment. But yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a whole host of different scenarios, right? We, we get that. I think we all agree, by and large, it's a bit of a... It doesn't really work, right? I think we're all pretty much in that place, right? Why couldn't we just keep it at three or whatever, right? Okay, fine, there's some science involved and people want to make sure there's not injuries and people getting hurt. Fine, did it have to be extended for another season? Not entirely sure that I can I can get myself on board with that one, right? But if I replay what Stephen was saying, and I, I do agree with the with the premise, um, you know, we can throw on or a, a bigger team can throw on a full move forward line. One now getting into the seventh seventieth minute with you know us and Kelly or something like that. The flip side of that is Kelly can just throw in a lot more subs. Mm-hmm. And I bet these smaller clubs will be packing their benches by and large with they're holding cruncher midfielder or that guy that can come on and get a quick yellow and get subbed right back off because you get you get five subs uh, or a couple of extra defenders and I'm sure there's probably a couple of them asking the SPFL if they can you know stick two two keepers on uh, uh, as long as the other keeper doesn't use their hands but um, I think that the point being there that these smaller clubs also benefit from it as well I don't think it's as uh, easy as to say it's just the bigger clubs although I get the point. Um, but there's a defensive part to that as well, and we might just see a hell of a lot of even more dogged. Uh, I was going to say something else that started with dog there, but dogged football that we sometimes see in uh, Scotland in terms of us. And I'm speaking about us specifically here, and some of the travails that we had last season and some of the tro- uh, troubles trying to break down some of these packed defences. And you can imagine another, let's say, another two defenders in there. Oh, it becomes it becomes an absolute nightmare. Um, and the opposing manager has the luxury of saying, yeah, but I kept one up front or, you know, whatever, and I swapped it around in the midfield, but I had five attempts at it. So we probably need to just be wary of that particular one as well. So we might see a lot more of that. But that would give, would that not give Steve Clark a better chance at Scotland? However, we'll not go into that. Um, <laughs> listen, um, Stephen, there's a question I've got to ask you, and I want you to be totally honest, because we ask everybody who hasn't been on the pod before this question, David Robertson or Arthur Newman? Who's your David left back? David Robertson. Thank you. Availability. Right, well, it's been great having you. Where's the off button? Where's the off button? Jeez, <laughs> um, oh, oh man, jeez. Well, do you know, everybody's due an opinion. There we are. Could you, so you just explain to Tommy, Stephen, please, why it's David Robertson? Any man that can play in a pair of cycling shorts like he did and play for as long as he did, uh, it's certainly him. He was he was a modern fullback before there was one. We had lost, obviously, Gary Stevens. Gary Stevens was still there. He, he was coming to the end of injuries. You get David Robertson comes in. Um, he was dynamite down that side. He, he was creative. He could score a goal. He never had to worry about him, apart from one game at Hampden. Um, he was relatively worried. Three, you know, just eased into it. I should say, guys, I'm not, and I have to say this every single, well, on the odd occasion that somebody picks David Robertson over uh, Arthur Newman, I would say I'm not against David Robertson. Um, you know, very, very good player, liked him. I think all those things that you're talking about there are absolutely true about David Robertson. And then Arthur Newman was a refinement of those traits. That's why he was better. And certainly a more comfortable player on the ball in that position as well. Um, yeah, okay, fine. Let's, let's agree to... 
<laughs> make a couple of subs and, uh, and, and move on. I believe David Robertson was also kind enough to give This Is I, Brooks and Hart and Hand an interview. Still not had one off the air for Newman, but anyway. Let's... That's right, I'm going for David Robertson as well then. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> right, let's move on, gentlemen. In a couple of days' time, we've got a friend, couple of friendlies coming up against Leon and Nice. So, and I kind of asked this question earlier, Stephen, I'll take this to you. Was it, and I'm not really sure how this was done, but was it Rangers that sold the, but were part of selling the rights to Premier Sports? Or was it the actual competition itself because again I think if it was Rangers we've, we've, we've maybe lost out in a wee bit of our, our TV money again. Yeah but I, I think Rangers are in agreement but I think you have to take the consideration as well that RTV is probably still trying to get everything up and running and bug free before the start of the season. There's going to be a huge demand on it when this season kicks off because of the virtual season tickets and everything else so there's probably an upgrade in having to go in there Um I'm not too fast. You know, you're over in France. It's a it's a technical issue, um, especially at a time like this. We'll be taking our own people to film and everything else. But once you're over there, let the locals do it. Um, Premier Sports might appear to be a bit better as well, and it gets monies in. And of course, you, you've got the other team from Glasgow in it as well. So I think that factors into the decision. Your cameras are going to be there. Why spend more money taking your own cameras when it would probably be available in Premier Sports anyway? Um, and most people would probably pick that because it might have a slightly better picture at this period in time and, and Rangers can just concentrate and get RTV up and running um, for the start of the season uh, and hopefully all, all going well. Do you not think maybe told me that Premier Sports have missed out on a wee trick you no know, trying to convince Rangers and Celtic to have a wee game together? No. Uh, is my sharp answer to that. That's the let's let's go back for the calendar. Um, whatever whatever date that Celtic want the, the game to be on, I'm sure. They <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it's a really it's a really good trophy. I think Stephen Gerrard had uh, had mentioned the fact that it gets us playing on the continent prior to the Bayer game as well. I had a very brief conversation with uh, Leon earlier today, actually, um, on on the Viola Trophy and, you know, what's kind of uh, set up they've got there. I don't believe that they were part of the conversation with Premier Sports. Part of the engagement with the clubs taking part in the trophy was you can sell essentially your own rights. Um, my understanding is there isn't any attached appearance fees to the clubs. Um, that may, mm, there might be something in that from a contractual obligation, but let's, let's pop it to one side. But I know they're really looking forward to having um, Rangers take part. Uh, I think it should be a really good tournament. I know they've put a lot of effort into it as a club. This is this is Leon, and to make sure it works for them, um, it should be a good a good spectacle. I think it's a decent level as well uh, of of clubs. I think three three really good clubs and um, and somebody else. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think more importantly, you know, it's all great, right? We're playing, we're being asked, and it's always nice to be asked to go to a party. Right, so that's that's always a nice. Never thing. been asked. Never been asked to go to a party in my life. Well, I, the parties aren't happening wherever you are. Um, so yeah, it's a different type of party in uh, Her Majesty's uh, prison, <laughs> wherever you're, wherever you're currently sitting. Um, so no, but it's nice to be in, engaged. You no, know, if you think to to if you say go back to even a couple of years ago, you know Rangers, I'm only going to get invited to uh, a kind of Leon tournament. Right, it's as simple as that. Um, so it's nice to be invited to that. It will be a headline act. We've got the rights. You probably find that that's a bit of a sweetheart deal as well, because obviously Premier Sports will pick up some of our other games, so a bit of an internal package for Rangers, so to speak. But um, yeah, we get to take part in a bit of a glamour, you know, couple of games uh, or glamour friendly, I should say, on a good pitch, 
really important. Get a decent workout against the top outfit before we make the short hop, you know, type type of thing to, to buyer as well. So it's all really, really positive and it further expands the Rangers brand in terms of being back at that semi-top table. You know, we shouldn't be having friendlies against lower clubs, uh, you know, as our, bed, as our best we can get. We should be getting invited to these types of clubs. So, yeah, it's a really, really good thing for Rangers. And the fact that it's on TV adds to that. It's more money at the coffers, as you spoke about the RTD thing earlier on. Why they didn't pick up the phone to us to ask us to do the commentary, I will never know. I did make that case to Leon as well. They tested my French. It was mailed. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all good. You know, it's nice to be talking about us playing in good friendlies. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, and... I suppose it's worthwhile mentioning from Leon's perspective as well. They've got the old firm coming in, so they can package that that brand up. Um, ultimately, both clubs make money out of that kind of branding. So, uh, yeah, all for it. Let's go and let's go and beat them, uh, Leon. That is, uh, and then go and beat the Germans as well. So you know, that's it. That's that's it. <laughs> I don't know if that, ended, that answered your question actually. To be honest with you, I no. can't even remember what the question was, but. Um... But Stephen, listen, I think obviously a certain Dembele plays for Leon if, if he's not transferred out yet. Um, but what what are you looking for in these up, up and coming couple of games? Is it more about just fitness? Because as you, as we talked about, you know, with, with the Hamilton game that, you know, if we drew one each against Hamilton or lost one out to Hamilton and our friendly, there'd be hell to pay. But we're obviously coming up against far better opposition now in Leon. But should we be looking for um, maybe a wee, a wee change in play? Because obviously what happened from January up until when the season was finished. So that's actually quite an important couple of games for Stephen Gerrard. Yes, because there's not much time until the real stuff starts again. Mm. I think we have to be very mindful that Leon and Nice are both um, miles ahead of us in terms of preparation. They've played each other, they've played a few friendlies well in advance of this game. So they'll be coming in, um, you know, a little less rusty than us. We have to be mindful of that. We've got players, and we've got players like Stephen Davis, who are in advancing years who hasn't played in three months. You have to take that all things into consideration. These are very good sides, two very technical sides. They're powerful sides as well. Um, they offer different challenges to us in terms of who plays up front for each side. You know, Leon have got a wonder kid. They've got Dumbelli, who's very good at coming deep and holding up the ball. And we've clearly faced problems with him before. Nice have more got a target man. They'll try and get a lot of runners um, from midfield. But they're both very good technical sides. Centre mid is where I'll be looking at for these two sides. Teams. It's where we've probably struggled. Um, I think if you asked any Rangers fan, you would think our centre mid is probably the weakest or the thing we need upgrading the most in order to take that next step. And when you look at these two teams we're going to face, they have very very high quality centre mids. They're very technical. They always keep the ball moving. They're always looking to find that pass. They know when to receive it. Um, and they've got a few players that, you know, that we would probably love to have in our team in terms of just you know protecting the back four. So it'll be a very good challenge. Um, it's a great advert for Scottish football, as you say, that brand. It's a, it's a tournament you're only going to get because there's no fans. I don't suppose you ever get Rangers and Celtic in the same tournament again when, when fans return. So it's a one-off, but it's a good advert. Um, I think you have to take out a few performances. The results, I'm not too bothered about because I'd imagine most games will see a lot of changes. There'll probably be a mix and match. Uh, you know, what Gerard would want to start loving to be against Leverkusen, against Aberdeen. So I don't think you can read too much in the result. It's just a general performance. And how we fare up against players of this calibre, especially in midfield, or middle front, is really where I'm interested to see where we're at because it's where we struggled. We've struggled against teams with pace. We've often let them in 
behind us. Um, and when we've been exploited like that, um, we've shown ourselves to, to give up a number of chances. We go into this without, obviously, Hellander, who's not going to make it. So we also got to look at, you know, what are centre-half options are, are we going forward? Um, and you're going to see probably Joe McLaughlin or John McLaughlin in the sticks. Mm. John McGregor's not fit. So again, all these factors you take in, it's probably more individual things you're taking out and you're just hoping that as a team we don't look as if we've been away for three months and not seen each mm-hmm. other you, you want to look as if we you know remember how we play each other yeah i think that I, I, I agree with that actually i think the only thing with friendlies i'm the same as you i don't particularly care about results when it comes to friendlies by and large the only matter if you get spanked <laughs> uh, you know, if you come away from you know leon or leon are a better side than us right there we go we've said it but that doesn't mean that I'd expect us to walk away with a 5 now 6 now shelling. And so if you start to get to that, then you've got a question that needs asked and that leads to headlines. If you come away with a 3-1 or whatever, because they are, you know, they are a better team, they've got a squad that's really strong, you know, Bertrand Traore, Uar, Marcello, Rafael, and Biba, these, these types of guys are fantastic players. Um, they are going to give us a real hell of a test, but that doesn't mean that you end up with an absolute... Uh, you know, a, a, a shocking uh, type of results. So that's always the the one worry that I take away from any friendly, as a as well as my usual. Nobody gets injured, twists <laughs> and on the top, and we hear cruciate ligament uh, chat in the papers. But aye, it's a great it's a great run out. I think you're right as well. It's a good point made by Stephen that you wouldn't have both clubs there if it wasn't for the fact there was no fans because that wouldn't work uh, in terms of kicking about the city on <laughs> on the same day and all that drinking in the Parisian bars down by the same. Um I think Sunday might end up in the river. But uh um yeah, yeah. But you know it's interesting, it kicks us off. We just hope for no injuries. I think that's shocking you're trying to say that Rangers and Celtic fans couldn't be cooperative in a, a highly fueled alcohol environment. I, I, I didn't say Rangers fans couldn't be cooperative. No 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 but I, I anyway that was a bad joke. Shouldn't have made it. Um I'll take this point to both of you and I'll, I'll start with you, Tommy. From a Rangers perspective, is there any specific players that you're looking forward to seeing or maybe a specific type of formation? Because there's been a lot, we've had a big chat about the, the, the right wing at Rangers, the right side, um, because obviously Gerard plays that 4-3-3 and he, and he doesn't really move from that 4-3-3 and a lot of us were saying, well, maybe it'll be Hadji out, in the, out wide or will Hadji play more in the midfield? So is there any kind of specific formation or players that you're actually looking forward to, to seeing on, when is it, Thursday? Yeah, so t- taking into account all those uh, niggling injury concerns of people who can, you know, can't make the first team and all that kind of stuff. I think in no order of importance, not deal with the players first before the, before the, the formation or anything like that. Um, Players I'm interested in seeing, Morelos to see if he's hungry um, or he's looking at the door and if he's shaking off the lethargy that was affecting him um, before before COVID-19 hit because the performances were pretty poor. So really interested to see where he's at, if he's still razor sharp or he's become razor sharp again and become back to being the Buffalo. Um, I'm interested to a large extent to see Ryan Kent and see if he starts the season the way that he really needs to, by by and large, um, and has the confidence to go after players again, take them on, get in behind, and if we play accordingly, right, because he likes the ball over the top type of thing. None of this back to go playing a two-yard pass back type of thing. And I don't blame all that in Ryan Kent, I blame on the team as well sometimes. You need to know who you're playing with and play to their strengths. Really interested to see um, how 
Hadji lines up and how he actually plays, I, I sense that, and I'm willing to be challenged on this, but I sense more and more Hadji will get a free roll to pop up whenever he particularly wants in that kind of front uh, part of the field, or front area of the field, I should say. Out with that, well, we, we kind of know all the other players. Um, be interested to see, I suppose, yeah, be interested to see the way that Borna Barisic starts the season. Mm. I think Borna's a real big confidence guy. Um, and a slight knock to him might put us back for a long time. Um, we know we're getting with Tav. I think then if I drill back to um, uh, the formation, be interesting to see how Haji is fitted in there and what happens to Scott Arfield. What happens to Davis? Mm. Do we keep him as the, the rock in the, the central pivot, so to speak? Or is Gerard going to use him more sparingly? And I know we'll touch on other people potentially being purchased by Rangers in the future, but does he go with a rebo? Does a rebo drop back towards the centre? Does he go slightly forward? Can you make a, a, a pure centre mid out of Joe Rebo? Not entirely sure. But do you play him in with Ryan Kent? What happens to Glenn Kamara? Again, what do you do with Arfield with these intelligent runs and stuff like that? Do you play with a front, just a, a pure front three with uh, Hadji Kent and, and Morelos? What do you do with the interchanging between Kent and uh, Hadji? Those are all the things that I'm quite interested in seeing. And above all that is the kind of, that's the framework, that the kind of capstone on that is how quickly the players gel with the passing and all that. Or is it the same old, same old as we saw last season, by and large? I think there has to be more dynamism in that forward part of the field. And not to preempt what Stephen's going to say, but I think that there's a key part of how quickly can we get it out from under our feet in midfield and get it forward? Because mm. we were a wee bit ponderous at times last season and it really cost us. Well... Stephen, I apologise that Tommy's only left you two players to talk about. Again, my apologies, Stephen. I got in a, I got in a groove there, buddy. I'm so sorry. But, but just pretty much the same question to you. But what are you looking for out of these players in the next few games? Um, I'm, I'm interested to see McLaughlin. I'm interested to see how he fits in because we know he's a keeper that likes to come off his line and come for crosses. I'm not sure he'll get tested too much against Leon. Maybe probably slightly more against Nice for the, the way they set up. So I'm interested to see that. Bassey coming in, we know he can play right back or he can play centre half where he plays. If he plays centre half, probably as we expect him to do. Um, really, a first look at him, he's a big unit. How he's going to play with either Edmondson or Golson beside him, how they're going to look as a partnership and who potentially gets that starting bus uh, going forward because there is a place up for grabs there. Um, I think Nathan Patterson will get a run out. Uh, we've not really seen him much since the Strenard game, and it's very difficult to tell against that calibre of opposition what kind of level he's at. So I'm, I'm interested to see that. Ryan Kane uh, is a must for me. I think he has to. This is a huge season for him uh, because mm -hmm. he's now a marquee player. He, he didn't really hit the heights last season. Um, so that's one that really interests me. Formation wise, I do think it will still be the same as before. I think we might tweak it just for the sake of tweaking it. Um, but I, I do, for the for the whole part of the season, expect us to stick with what we've been doing. So I do expect Hadji out on that right-hand side. I, I think the coaching staff wants Hadji and Kent to be interchangeable at times. Uh, and even with Morelis, how if, when he plays as that focal point, he does like to drift out at times. So I do think they want him to be um, interchangeable. I just want to see how that is, how they link up again, because there was flashes we've seen in games that never really hit the heights again. Uh, and then there was games we just looked turgid. We took an extra touch when, you know, we didn't really require it. It's just that urgency I'm really interested in. And then I'm also interested to see players like Doherty, Murphy, Jones, they take out players because, you know, we spoke earlier, there's five subs now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have a lot of places up for grabs. These are guys that their careers looked all but done at Ibrooks. I think if the pandemic hadn't hit, there'd have been a, probably a mass clear out. Um, so some of these players have got a wee bit of a reprieve. It's now up to them if they want to go and grasp that opportunity. You think of somebody like Jones who came with a, a lot of potential, came with, you know, he's going to be very direct and really failed to deliver. He gets sent off against Celtic for a, a stupid, ridiculous challenge. The manager clearly um, didn't trust him after that. He never really hit the heights. And then you think back to his performance against Michelland, you think, you know, just one of the type of players, he has to start well. So these players are going to have a chance. They're probably, they might get limited minutes, but I'm sure um, a few of them will get their opportunities and it really could be a last chance to win for, for many of them. Yeah, disappointed that neither of us or you, uh, Martin, as the host, have mentioned the, the one and only Brandon Barker, who will obviously start up front himself. <laughs> um, you know, Mellis on the bench and all that type of thing. Um, do you know what's really interesting, actually, just now that we're, we're thinking about it, Martin, apologies for throwing your questions out of... of Can I just stop you quickly by saying, I'm the host, I have no opinions, carry on. This, this is actually quite true, even in, even in your off-camera life, um, <laughs> as, as I'll happily attest to. But um, it'd be interesting, so we were talking about midfields and stuff like that there, right? And that, you know, triggered, as you were saying there, Doherty, right? So let's just put three in a basket, right? Doherty, and I'm not talking about just the midfield anymore, right? Doherty, McCrory, Jones. Do we think they're going to be able to save themselves? And then the second question on top of that, for both of you, Martin, I'm including you here for an opinion for once. Let's say Ryan Kent doesn't have a good season coming up. Is his career at Rangers done? Stephen Harrigan, up over to okay, you. Okay, um, McCrory, I'll take the first player. I think if he's going to play for us, he's going to be used like Andy Halliday was, where he can. Mm. he's very versatile. For certain situations, you might see him play in midfield. I've got big concerns about him playing in that middle of the park. I think his worst attributes are his passing. Um, I've not seen anything when he's at Portmouth that he's come on leaps and bounds in that game. To me, he still looks like a defender, so I think if he's going to make it, it's just going to have to be that second right back bus. And it might be having Parson battling out for it. Um, Parson's a wee bit more attacking. We know the manager likes that system of the attacking fullback, so I, I would give him the edge. But certainly, McCrory, you know, he could be that fourth centre back now as well. His versatility will keep him round about the squad. Jones, I think chances will be limited in the sense that if he doesn't impress, um, I think it's card mark. Doherty, very much the same. I think the manager's basically told us enough about him that he doesn't rate him, but, you know, the circumstances dictate the moment that he might be given another chance. Um, Ryan Kent, is his career over? No, because look at the fee and money he's on. You, need to, you would need to recoup some of that. And to be quite honest, if he doesn't have a good season, then who's going to pay that kind of money? Because let's face it, he had a, his best season, you know, a year back when he was on loan for, to us. Um, there wasn't a lot of teams breaking down Liverpool's door looking to pay that kind of money. And it's OK, it's a huge amount of money for us, a huge outlay. But that's not a huge amount of outlay to, to an English team or a, an English championship team when you see some of the fees down there. So if that was his best season, um, I don't see where he goes. We bought him in the hope. and We know his potential. We know he can be very dangerous and direct. It's just getting that confidence back and, and getting him that player he was when he was on loan. And he did show flashes last season. It just wasn't consistent enough, a wee bit strong start. So, no, I don't think we can afford it to be uh, end of Rangers' career. No, I totally agree with that. And if I could just pick up on one player, Jones. I think the problem Jones has got is that we've now got a fit Jamie Murphy. And if Jamie Murphy stays fit on that left-hand side, I'm a big, massive fan of Jamie Murphy. And uh, if Jamie Murphy stays fit, then you've got Kent and Murphy. And 
if, if Jones doesn't buck up his ideas, because I believe there was a there was a couple of issues Jones had. I think it was off the park, and that's why Gerard didn't want to bring him back into the team. It wasn't all just because he booted a Celtic player. Um, so I think it's a massive season for Jones. I think if Jones doesn't, because the, the other issue we've got as well, and we never actually discussed it, is I think the transfer window is now open for about three months. So there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be for the first month. Your Jones, your maybe maybe even your Murphys. If, they, if they're not performing, they're out, and we'll just get somebody else in. But with regards to Ryan Kent, I think Ryan Kent's going to be given every single opportunity that he can be given to prove that he can he can play. Because Rangers certainly don't want to lose money on him, but they obviously want to make money on him. So he'll be given every opportunity. Yeah, I get. I completely, I completely get that, and I absolutely agree. Um, it was interesting to test other people's opinions, but I absolutely agree on the Ryan Kent thing. I think there's definitely a player, and I like Ryan Kent. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny it. Um, I don't think the team particularly played to his strengths at points last season. Actually, uh, I think I've alluded to that anyway. You know, the kind of short ball back to the defender type of thing doesn't particularly work for him. I think he is. He is. He's, he's a big outlay, but you know that is that is um, based on where we are in terms of our financial position. Um, which, in case anybody of other persuasion starts rhyming off their, their usual Sefco nonsense, is is fairly you know um, fairly fixed in terms of good financial position. And where's the money coming from? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're doing shakedowns uh, of, uh, of, uh, of local takeaway shops and stuff like that just to keep the lights on. So I'm told, but. Um, you know, nothing to do with investors funding the gap or, you know, season tickets, you know, once again, uh, selling little hotcakes or my jail subscriptions or, or, you know, being a club that people want to put money into. But let, let's not go into that um, for once. We don't but, have the time. <laughs> wait, I don't, yeah, I don't have the time. Tommy's big book of financial uh, regulations uh, coming back out. But, um, yeah, I, I just, it's just the Ryan Kent thing that I, I think it really needs to be stuck with. The, the, the reason I raise it is I think, from the outside, he'll be under tremendous pressure from a large section of the fans. Um, not because we want to pressure our players, but because we really want to see him do well. And he is a headline marquee signing. He is Steven Gerrard's marquee financial signing. And, you know, he has to come good at some point. He is definitely a really good player. He's still really, really young. He's going to have bad games. But I, I just wanted to, yeah, I think people just need to cut, cut my bit of slack sometimes when it doesn't work in every single game. Absolutely, and we'll just finish up on a very quick question um, because I know that Stephen and Tommy always give quick answers. So, um, <laughs> and I'll come, I'll come to you first, Stephen, seeing as you're the guest on the pod. What do what does Stephen Gerrard have to do this season? Because this is now season three. Um, he's brought in; it's mostly his own players. Um, I don't think the ten is as big a deal as what a lot of fans make it out to be. But for you in your mind, what does Steven Gerrard have to achieve at a minimum this season? Bare minimum, he has to win something. But I, I've got the feeling that this coming season, it's going to be the Highlander rule. Uh, there can be only one, I think. It's going to be, uh, when you look across the city, one of our, the managers will be gone by the start of next season. I'm a huge fan of this coaching staff. I think no Rangers manager has had the starting position that he's had. And you mm. see the progress that we've made on and off the field. You know, I, you hold Europe up and people say, we've not won anything. But we were, you know, an, an Alfie performance away from basically beating Celtic and, and getting that League Cup in the league. And we have to work out what went wrong in January. I think it was just a case of too many injuries at the wrong time and a wee bit of complacency setting in. So we have to rectify that. But he's on the right path. It's not a, a disastrous reign by any imagination. Our results in Europe, he's given us credibility back where I don't think many of us 
expected it to be, or we didn't expect it to be where we are currently in the terms of the fixtures. We've still got Bayer Leverkusen to play. I, I think I'll be honest and say we're not expecting to go through. Anybody who <laughs> watches German football and the kind of calibre players they've got, and, and they're going to be miles ahead of us when we play them as well, um, that might just be a, a game too far for us. But to even be there um, and how we've had to do it through the last couple of years is remarkable. But it comes down to the league and it's jobs on the line. It's, it's that pure and simple. If we have another January like we had last year, um, I'm not sure he'll be around for the following season. You know, there's a lot of rebuilding to do at our club. And, and I always use the, the kind of example of Johan Cruyff took five years at Barcelona to win his first league title. You just don't get five years at Rangers, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it does take an awful lot of work behind the scenes. Things that fans don't always appreciate it. And we, we know we don't. We're, we're just so desperate for success. We've been starved in this, you know, this trophy hunt. Um, we've had a, a lot of false dawns. But his starting position was no other Rangers manager. Now, obviously, it wasn't like the Alan McGoysher. But what I'm saying is, in the top flight the kind of players he had the legacy he had to inherit with the wages and, and the other players everything that came with it um, he's done a remarkable job given the circumstances but that won't matter at all he has to win the league uh, and it, if he doesn't I don't think there's any way back and the same for across the road uh, if we win the league I think he's gone as well so it's a case of it's basically whoever, whoever doesn't win it is gone I take it you're just kind of on the same page Tommy he's, just, he's got to win the league you're not getting a short answer. Don't you peg me in. Uh, uh, but by and large, I do. It's, it's get all the, the, the combinations of a really hot kind of pressure cooker scenario in terms of what's at stake. And, you know, that's putting all the asterisk stuff to, to one side. Let's just be fairly black and white for a moment. I think absolutely in terms of the historical, so try to go door to door on this mentally here. Absolutely, Steen Gerrard has had a really difficult, you know, set of circumstances to come in to, as in terms of being a Rangers manager. He did that; his eyes were wide open, and he's been backed by and large by the by the board, uh, both in terms of a on pitch infrastructure and an off pitch infrastructure. So, uh, by that I mean the players that he wanted for his team and what he wanted in the backroom staff as well. Ross Wilson being one of the major final pieces of that particular puzzle. Were mistakes made by the board and the lead up to that and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Pedro Cachina, I'm looking at you. But that's where we are. Have we seen absolute dynamic progress in the team? Yeah, of course we have. Yeah, Europe's been the great standard bearer of that. And that League Cup final that Stephen references there was a big blow um, because I think this team really just needs to win something and then it will win a hell of a lot more, right? Um, because certainly the talent's there and the will is there, but you just need to get your hands on on something first. Um, so, yeah, they need to do that. And he's now cycled through, and I think I mentioned this, I referenced this in a pod a couple of weeks back. This season coming is essentially, by and large, apart from some of the fringe players that are still there, Steven Gerrard's team. He's managed to move out who he didn't really want from the hangover kind of scenarios, and he's got what he wants in. There'll be another couple of puzzle uh, pieces of the puzzle that come in in the transfer window, and I expect maybe be a mixture of starters and some young young bucks like like Bassey, for example. So then you say, okay, so it's all looking good, and we've put ourselves in that strong position. Is there a, a risk or a concern? Yeah, that post January two years running scenario. Right, okay, we need to we need to show that all eyes will be all that, all mental mm-hmm. strength and toughness and pressure will be on the first game back after the winter break, right? That will be an absolute stick on, right? So Rangers need to come out the traps on that, but probably even more than they need to come out the traps at the start of the season, 
mm-hmm. right? Or, or, or equal footing, right? Depending on where we are in the position come the, the Christmas break. But all eyes will be on that. It's a really big milestone. Come out and thump whoever you're playing after the winter break. And then, more importantly, win the second game as well, right? So anyway, then you start to say, okay, well, what does Steven Gerrard, uh, the manager, need to win? What does the club need to win? And I, I was glad, you know, this week Stephen's on because his kind of answer at the same sort of time as me gave me time to think about it. <laughs> 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 Back and forward. <laughs> um, and I'm still doing it, obviously, which is why I'm scrolling this out as long as I am. But I, I think I, I think that's absolutely it. You could, you could make a case if he walks away with... So the League, the league Cup is in, doesn't matter. He could win it and it still won't be enough to save anybody's job. Would the Scottish Cup do it? maybe for a small selection of people, what does he need to win? Let's be honest, he needs to win the title. That's mm-hmm. that's it. I think if you've cycled through three full seasons, you've got your initial, you've got your rebuilding, you've got your real go-at-it season. And, and you know, let's be honest here, if, you know, if we are being really honest with ourselves, Rangers by and large absolutely blew what was a really good chance last season. Aye. Right? Aye. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. So... Can't afford to do that again because that's when questions start getting asked about okay, what's the setup here? Because that's you know, two seasons in a row where you're, you're folded after the winter break. I think he needs to walk away with the league winners medal, um, and that's that's all that's going to be really good enough. But it, downgrading that, he would need just to, as a minimum to even be in the conversation about the job. I think he has to walk away with the Scottish Cup, not the League Cup, the Scottish Cup that gets him in the room to talk about the job. Um, but he needs the, the league to be the person that's saying, I'll see you in the champagne bar. Uh, and they'll sign my new contract for another couple of years. I know the frustrating thing last season was we had Celtic's number, you know. But listen, gentlemen, we could talk about this all night, but we're going to leave it there. And as ever, Tommy, thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. And Stephen, absolute pleasure. And thank you very much, boys. Stephen, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. And can I just say a big thank you to the overlord, David Edgar, for accepting that loan. But <laughs> you know what, we've had a trial, we'll get back here. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be a field trialist. Michael Stewart all over Guys, thanks very much for everybody listening, for everybody watching. We'll speak to you next week. How does it offer a free beer sound? Well, all you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash this is ibrooks and cover just five ninety five for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced, fresh as can be, craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. You can be sipping eight totally different craft beers sourced and created by the good folks at Beer 52. Not only that, but they'll drop it right to your door so you don't even need to leave your house. If you're looking to stock up on beer, now's your chance. Since 2014, Beer 52 have been on a quest to find the best beer money can buy anywhere on the planet. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea and Germany. If you're looking to stock up or just fancy trying something different, then Beer 52's Craft Beer Discovery Club is for you. If you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account any time you like. And also for every listener and viewer who signs up to Beer 52 using promo code ThisIsIbrooks, you will be helping support the club we all love. So, just go to beer52.com forward slash thisisibrooks to get your first case of eight beers for $5.95. That's www.beer52.com forward slash thisisibrooks. Thank you for your continued support.